Welcome to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesquitz. Nice to have you with us. You know, in Los Angeles, uh, in the winter, it gets to a bone-chilling 70 degrees. And <laughs> yes. It's, oh, it's brutal. It's brutal, it's brutal here. I was thinking back of, of uh, the one week that I spent in the middle of winter <laughs> in Wichita, Kansas. Oh. The wind was howling, snowing sideways. It's like 14 below, below. zero. Yeah. It is so cold. My nose is like frozen. I'm like frozen just going from the car to the, the to the restaurant. Yes. Get the picture? I it's get the picture. Really Freezing. cold. Walk into a restaurant, what's the first thing I see? Tomato soup and grilled cheese. And my I'm favorite. Like, yes. My favorite. <laughs> I need some hot soup. You know we get like to, me in there. You know we like to talk about food in this <laughs> on this show. We do. And and so what Carlos is talking about, we were talking about because we were saying why am I getting so fat in the winter? Why am I eating so much? What is it about the comfort food that I'm eating in the Why am I doing it? All is the it, grilled cheese and There's got to be a science behind it. There's sort it, of scientific reason because we all, I, I like. It's like you crave it, I feel like right? a bear. I'm going to hibernate. Yeah, you do. <laughs> then like, give me all the biscuits and gravy. I want it all to myself. So, so Of course, I, I could last for like five years with what I've got on. So. Stop it. <laughs> so I'm wondering like, what is it? Is it science? Can we just like, are we ravenous farm beasts that just can't control ourselves? Or, well, that describes it perfectly. <laughs> or is it science? So don't worry, guys, it's science. Yeah, it is science. It's a, it's a science thing. So there's yes. a dietitian at the University of Georgia who confirmed that yes, indeed, cold weather fuels our desire to eat comfort. Food. Yeah, because cold weather creates this biological uh, change in our bodies mm -hmm. uh, that makes us want to eat more. When the temperature drops, we crave food, just like I crave that tomato soup, uh, that provide warmth. And because they're more readily available during the holidays, you know, during Christmas and New Year's. And the and, New Year of the new year, January, yeah, right? And those, those foods are higher in sugar and fat. And it's right, just like, yummy. And then you're like, I can't stop myself. I'll have I, another bowl of soup. Yeah, I'll <laughs> have, yes, I more will have. More bread and butter. More cake. More cake. Yes, yes, I will take that saltine cracker and put <laughs> butter on top of it. Because. This is why, you know, when you, know you put saying? on the bathing suit in the spring and you go into the pool. Ah! Yeah. It's not good. Right. Okay. It's so fun fact: when it is cold, <laughs> our body, um, our body's cues for hydration diminish, mm -hmm. and so we're not. If you notice, you don't like drink as much as you do when it's hot outside. No, no, no. And and dehydration leads to hunger. I didn't realize that there was a connection to that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's that, what the the dietitian was saying. Right. But see, see, I'm. I'm trying to justify my eating, Carlos. This is why I'm, sh I'm sharing she's, this she's with you. She's a stick. She's a stick. I don't know what you're talking about. Justifying yeah, what yeah, I'm you're doing. You're a stick. We also tend to eat uh, more when uh, there are fewer daylight hours. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine living in Alaska or? Why? No. So why are the why? Finns and the Swedes so thin? I don't know. Oh, what's their secret? Well, maybe they've been dark different? for all winter. But is their diet different? Must be. They eat a lot of fish. Yeah. What do they eat there? I don't even. know. They're not looking for grilled cheese. They're, they're, not, they're not looking for biscuits and gravy, Carlos. So I don't think they do Less exposure to the sunlight impacts levels of stress, ability to sleep, and it could cause us to feel uh, a bit lethargic. And guess what happens when that feeling shows up? You guessed it. We again crave sugary, energy dense food to compensate for the lethargy. Mm, okay. See? So let's go through the dietitian's plan, shall we? Oh boy, this will always be fun. So okay, wait, but like, you're gonna do it anyway. So just know it's coming, right? Like, yeah. no. This it's takes cold. a lot of discipline. I'm telling you, it's really hard to do because I love to eat. Well, I do too. But I can't. I, I don't know if I can stick to this. So okay, go ahead, so the, it out so okay, me. so this dietitian says there's a, there are things you can do. So you just try and have a meal or a snack that's high in fiber. 
and that that'll fill you up more than okay delicious butter butter and sugar. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. um, incorporate. <laughs> here's your, here's my other favorite. Incorporate veggies, legumes, and lean proteins into your soup, chilies, and stews. Like avocados. I like avocados. I can get by with avocados. Yeah, I yeah, could too. High in protein. Yeah, they're good for you. Yeah, but I mean, but when it's cold, but avocado eat, is not I'm a not comfort food. I'm not eating kale food. in February, okay? Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> but avocado's not a comfort food. It is for me. Is it? Yeah, because, you know, it's my family. Make guacamole out of it. I was going to say, I just take if a I little. If I make guacamole out of it, it's, I'll eat it all day long. Yeah, but that's really fast. That's not good for you. No, that's not a good well, look. Nothing in the quantities that I eat <laughs> is good for me. Speaking of the quantities, <laughs> you're supposed to monitor your portion size, Carlos. Yeah, not this, this, yeah. yes. Like they say like a saucer, not a dinner plate. Yeah. Stay hydrated so your body doesn't go into that Does dehydration. I don't think so because that also dehydrates you. You, know, you, you don't go, drink beer. You go, not, not really, but you go to Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. They drink beer, like, all have day you, long. Have you been to Milwaukee? They're, they really stay Wait. hydrated there. <laughs> have you seen the people in Milwaukee? Oh, hey. Some <laughs> of my best buddy, buddies saying. live in Milwaukee. I'm okay, be careful. Yeah, I'm sure they are not the pictures of health. But when they drink beer, they're, like, serious. I mean, I'm a complete <laughs> freakazoid there. Lightweight. I don't Lightweight. even belong. I can't compete. No, no. Um, and then the last thing they is try to get some cardio outside during the daylight so you get some vitamin D from the you mean, sun. You mean like running from the, the door to the taxi? Or like or like running <laughs> the from Uber? the car to the restaurant so I can continue to eat biscuits and gravy. That's just It's gonna... tough to get cardio, I mean, in, in cold weather winter? places. Now, like when I lived in New York, yeah. cardio for me would be like, get me out of, you know, it's like it's so, so cold. cold. But you're walking down those city streets, it's windy, yeah. it's icy, it's really brutal. And you do get cardio because you're moving so fast to get out of it, to right. go to your next location, right. whatever. Like, I was so cheap, I didn't want to pay for the cab or the subway. So and so I would just do? walk. I would but just so you, charge. And, and in the winter, you would just and I would And I would burn up all those calories I just ate at the deli. Mm. You know? I think you're telling yourself that. I don't know that you were well, running. I was telling. Were was you running? I could, no. Actually running? Run? Yeah, I was going to say. Like, Let's not be I stopped crazy. running at 21. Yeah, like, let's stop being crazy, Carlos. When there I stopped no playing running. soccer, I stopped <laughs> running. No running. Yeah, yeah, there was no yeah, running. Yeah. So anyway, that's what happens. So it, no, it is not you being a ravenous farm beast. No, it is actual science. That is why you want all of those delicious comfort foods that you should not be eating and you know you shouldn't be eating them, but you want them, you crave them. There's science behind it. Well, I'm glad the doctors give us a suggested menu. It sounds like the same menu you get in the summertime. Right. But, so here's my here's my plan. Oh, boy. The best part of that whole thing is portion size. I know. Portion control is everything. Yeah, I know. Don't overdo it. See, I have a problem with that. Well, so do I. Because, like, I can't stop. So I, was Once... I was raised not to worry about portion control. I did. I just was. We're Italians. We eat pasta with every meal. <laughs> Lots like, of pasta. In brec at breakfast, there's pasta. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. always around. And yeah. I told you, my wife said to me when we, we when I first met her, do you uh, do you eat tortillas with every meal? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is obviously <laughs> yes. yes. As many times wait, as I can. Wait, a stack you, of tortillas. Wait, when I was a kid, we used to eat tortillas with butter. Like warm it up. Just butter. No, no, no. But butter. Yeah. Sugar, and cinnamon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're like empanadas, but, uh, yeah, no, that's to die for. But see. That's dessert. That's it's, cheap dessert. It's cheap dessert, <laughs> and it's comfort food. Yeah. And I, in the winter, I need it. For those of you in Milwaukee, tortillas come in 24, <laughs> 12 and 24 size packs, sometimes 48 packs. Yeah, yeah. A 48-pack in a Mexican household will last about two, two days. days. I was just about two days. <laughs>
Because <laughs> we eat them with our meal, before our meal, as a snack. Yeah. With our meal. Yes. And dessert. And as a cheap dessert. It's cheap fantastic. Dessert. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. So, happy winter. Happy winter. <laughs> eat away. Just try and monitor your portion size. You'll be fine. Get out in the sun. Get some sun on your face so you don't eat so much. Oh, I'm hungry. I know. Right? Now I want to take one of those tortillas. Stop talking about food. Oh, wow. Okay. We have a great show. We're going to take yes, a quick break, and we'll be right back. Still ahead, he travels the world to show you the best places to go and the reality of what you'll see when you get there. And later, she's known as the nanny to the stars. We chat with Marva Sugram about her latest adventure in babysitting. Justin Walter is a Midwest guy turned world traveler from backpacking through Columbia to bungee jumping in New Zealand. He documents all his adventures on his blog, Around the World with Justin, and he is here to talk all about it. Hi, Justin. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming in. Of course. Um, why, though? Why do you why? do this? That is the easiest question because travel makes me feel alive. Okay. It is the number one thing I'm most passionate about in life. And at the age of 21, when I discovered solo international backpacking, I've been addicted ever since. Okay. On the road, I just meet so many incredible people. I've seen so many incredible places, had so many adventures, and it's where I feel most alive. Okay. We have talked to a lot of travelers <laughs> who do this like all the time, and it always boggles my mind that you travel by yourself. Yes. This whole yes. concept is foreign to me. Yeah. How do you live like that? So I kind of stumbled upon traveling by myself. I was studying abroad in Australia through the Boston University Internship Program. Okay. I went to Boston College, and I fell in love with Australia by watching the Survivor TV show. Yes. And season two, I promised myself I would live in the Australian or Australian go to the Australian Outback. Nobody wanted to go with me, so I decided to go by myself. Uh -huh. When I did that, it opened up the world of solo travel for me. I thought I would feel alone. I never felt alone because I just met so many people on the trip I was on. And then it inspired me and took the fear out of traveling alone out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So when I travel alone, I never feel alone. Mm -hmm. I always meet incredible people from all over the world who are doing the same thing. And it, it's amazing traveling on your own schedule yeah. and not having to compromise all the time. That's, that makes a that lot of sense. That is like the number one yeah, thing. Because there's nothing worse than, I want to do this today. Well, I don't want to do this today. And so much of right. travel, I think, is compromising of what do you want to do and, right. and doing what other people want to do. But when it's yourself, you get to decide where you're going, what you're doing, who you're spending your time with. Right. And along the way, you can make changes and adjustments based on your own personal needs. Okay. Where is the weirdest, strangest, outlandish place you've ever been, and what have you been doing there? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I just, uh, a couple, I've been twice to Borneo, oh. and Borneo is obviously a, a crazy place. Uh -huh. I went there once by myself. I went to uh, actually visit the island where they filmed season one of Survivor. Okay. And uh, I, I love the TV yeah, show yeah, Survivor. Yeah, clearly you're, you're a, a Survivor star. <laughs> well, that is actually, going back, I, I grew up in the Midwest. Right. And. My travels were limited to the Wisconsin Dells, the Jersey Shore, right. Florida. Sure. Watching the TV show Survivor brought me all around the world, and it right. was my way of exploring the world. Right. So that love of that TV show inspired me to travel, and that's why I do my blog, and that's why I think I watch travel TV shows, because it inspires people to get out of their norm and their comfort zone right. and to see the world. Right. 
So Borneo. Borneo. Okay. So Borneo. When I went back, I went and stayed at this unique lodge, National Geographic unique lodge of the world, oh. where we did all these river cruises and tours and saw the wildlife in a way that I've never seen it before. Wow. And it was absolutely beautiful. We went to an orangutan uh, sanctuary, oh, awesome. which was cool. That's fine. And it is just such a remote place where a lot of travelers and tourists aren't necessarily going. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was, it was a remote spot. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, other people look, I mean, I see it on social media all the time, people who want to be travel blockers. Yes. And it is not as easy as just, no. it, it's a it's a business. It's a business and, and a job. It's a business and a job, and I just don't understand how you do that. Yeah. Like, how do you make money? How do you pay your rent? So, travel? and that's the thing. I think one thing, too, is I'm not going to lie and say my full income is from blogging or travel writing. It, it subsidizes my income, but I don't necessarily fully pay the rent through travel blogging. Okay. There's very few people in the travel blogging world who can live on who it. Can live on it. Right. Most people are doing something called trade outs where you will go to a resort or a location and you'll do work for them for, for in exchange for having a free stay or adventures. Right. So I get work where some of it is sponsored and paid where I do get an income from it but then other work is trade outs. So there's other things I do to pay the bills in addition to travel blogging mm -hmm. but it is a full time job. Each right. post I do I put at least 12 hours into writing, right. to editing photos, to you know crafting the story and how I want to tell the story right and also then you have to think about the time you're actually going to these locations the money you're spending there sure. and everything you're doing there so what would be the what, what would be the one thing that you if people are watching and they're like I want to do it yeah I mean I, it's I, I know like we said it's not that easy but what's the first step the what, first step is traveling okay so I get I get a lot of people ask me all the time like how do you do what you're doing and how do you travel like you do and I always come back to traveling if you love it is a choice if you want to build a lifestyle that involves traveling, then you have to choose and make decisions that will do that. For example, I live in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. For 10 years, I lived in a rent-controlled apartment where I was paying a very low rent instead of paying higher rents in places like Santa Monica mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. where I was dumping money into rent, I was actually dumping money into travels. Got so it. the money that I chose to not spend on rent, I chose to, to go travel. and experience where then I loved photography. I, before I even was doing my blog or Instagram, I was documenting travels with my camera and video camera just for fun. Right. And then when I decided to do my blog five years ago, I had an archive of photos and videos that for a year, I blogged for a year without any opportunities of working with brands or tourism boards. And then after the year of building a base of my travel blog, I then started getting opportunities. That's how you do it. You All just right. have to do it first. You just have to do you it first. You have to first. choose to do it. <laughs> choose to yeah. do it. Skip on the rent, travel more. <laughs> yeah, skip on the rent. Got it. Or it's even, I, in Los Angeles, I know friends who will pay a lot of money for expensive cars. Yeah. If you want to travel, get a car that's more affordable, <laughs> put that money towards travel, that's and how that's you how it. you can do it. Got to make a choice, people. It's a choice. Justin, thank you for thank coming. Thank you so we much. We appreciate it. And the blog again is? Around the World with Justin. All right. I'll be right back. Coming up, how you can foster a pet while they wait for their forever home. You know, there are thousands upon thousands of animals in shelters all over this country. And it's always so, you know, heartbreaking to walk in there and you see them and they're always looking for a forever home. I know, and you want to adopt them all. There's, yeah. And every once in a while, one or two of them catches your heart and you go, oh, I'm not quite ready. What should I do? Will I? Will my house be right for this puppy or, or not or this mm -hmm. cat? 
And so uh, I've heard about this thing from my friend who, you, who actually uh, is a foster dog parent. Yeah, a foster parent. <laughs> a foster, yeah, foster parent. Mm -hmm. And so he fosters these, these puppies, and they only stay for a little while. So uh, it's a really good option to adopting. If you can't if you make can't that full-time commitment, commitment yeah. this might be the thing for you. So we asked Michelle Sathy from Best Friends Animal Society to come here. She's here with little chocolate to talk about fostering. Hi. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for coming. Okay, so let's talk about fostering mm -hmm. as an option. I think I think it's people go into a shelter and they think it's all or nothing. Yeah, right. 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 Fostering, there's actually two ways you can go about it. If you absolutely cannot commit to adopting a pet, but you want to help a shelter pet, you can take one home for a temporary basis, anywhere from days to weeks to months. Or if you want to make sure it's a proper fit for you before you make that commitment to adopt, you can do foster to adopt. So that's I know really there's great. a lot. I've, I've I've adopted at least three dogs in my life, and mm -hmm. it seems to me that there was each one had a different criteria for the the person who was adopting. Mm -hmm. So is there a criteria for fostering as well? Every place is different, but at Best Friends, what you would do is uh, make an appointment with our foster team and come on down and meet some of the pets and see who would be the best fit for you, and then fill out the paperwork and bring the pet home. So we have everything from younger dogs, large breed dogs who just maybe need a break and two little dogs like Chocolate here. He's a senior. He doesn't have any particular medical needs, but sometimes we do get pets that are recovering from surgery. Actually, when Chocolate first came to us, he had been hit by a car oh, and brought to the shelter, and so he had to have surgery on his leg. And he went into a foster home and just thrived there. And then he got adopted, but unfortunately he is back with us, so Aww. he is looking for a new foster or adoptive home. Okay, so you mentioned it's also, a, you said something about a break, mm -hmm. a break for the pet. So tell right. me about shelter life versus <laughs> home life for those shelter animals. Absolutely, so you know, a shelter isn't, isn't an ideal place for a pet to be. It's very chaotic and noisy and crowded, and we give them the best possible care, but it's not the same as being in a home. Yeah. So by being a foster, you really provide that touch of home, and it's also great for us to get information on what that pet is like in a home, because all we see is how they are at a shelter environment. And sometimes that pet can be kind of shut down, or maybe they're very assertive, and it's just not really representative of who they are in a home. So once they go into a home, they really show you their, their true How long are they typically in a home? It totally depends on the foster and the situation. If it's a pet that has a specific medical need and needs like two weeks to two months to recover, mm -hmm. then a foster would commit to that. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a pet that just needs a break, you can take them for a weekend, you can take them for a week, take them for a month. Yeah. Uh, sometimes our fosters are really helpful with uh, like networking these pets, getting them on social media, awesome. talking to friends and family. We have really cute backpacks and bandanas for the pets wow. so when they're out and about, people know they're available for adoption and it's just another avenue to help them find a home. Um, you know, I, I want you, you also mentioned about the information that you, that these home, these foster parents get mm -hmm. out of, how important is that information when you're trying to adopt? Because, oh, I mean, I would imagine people who come want to say, well, what's the dog like? And if right. you say, I don't know, then they're like, forget <laughs> it. We right. don't need this dog. It's super helpful especially we get to know how they are with men and children other dogs maybe cats um, mm -hmm. how they are out and about if they're house trained or not if they're mellow if they're spunky if they need a lot of exercise <laughs> yeah. if they just want to be a couch potato it's just really helpful for us to help them make an ideal match is there a cost associated with fostering no that's the great thing too is that uh, when you foster all the supplies and care are, is paid for basically wow. you provide the home and the love and we provide any medication any food the collar and leash if it's a cat litter box 
um, if it's a dog, a crate, if they're crate trained. Really? Yeah, we provide everything. So like you give them the, the, the bed and the leash <laughs> and all that, are you really? We really do, we really do. Wow. Especially, you know, if we have dogs that have specific medical needs, that can be pretty expensive and yeah. may be prohibitive for people to adopt that pet. We will do a very long-term foster in that case, sometimes indefinite. Wow. So my, it just really my friend depends. who I mentioned earlier about who fosters dogs yeah. now has five dogs at home. Yeah, <laughs> so sometimes it just works yeah. and you end up keeping the dog because right. you fall in love, right? That's what we call a foster failure and it's the best kind of failure. <laughs> to Absolutely. All right, so Michelle, I know uh, Best Friends is there's there's um, there's shelters all over the country. Yes, so how can people foster or adopt? Well, chocolate here is from Best Friends in Los Angeles, but we have pet adoption centers across the country. You can go to bestfriends.org. We also have over 2,500 shelters and rescues that are network partners with us. So no matter where you live in the country, we can help you connect to a shelter or rescue near you. And there, and, and, I, and I've, I've seen Best Friends, the, the website, bestfriends.org, and you can, I mean, everybody, the, every animal's picture's there, so yes. you can kind of, like, online shop almost. <laughs> for shelter pet. Right, yeah, right? for pets at the sanctuary we have. Yeah. Profiles on everybody, and then each city has profiles on each that's pet that great. are that's available. That's Michelle, so. thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. And, and, and chocolate is available, yes, right? Chocolate yes, it's terrific. He's wow, as sweet he's as a snake. Guest. So <laughs> mellow. All right, thank you, Michelle. Thanks for thank being you. With thanks, chocolate. Next, is divorce contagious? Why does one person's divorce lead to another person's divorce? We talked to an expert about it. to Carlos and Lisa, I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesco. See how stealthily we hide this subject in the bottom of the hour? <laughs> yeah, we just like keep it just like, just, gonna, just quietly just put it in there. <clears throat> I'm gonna ask you a question, you ready? Yeah. Is divorce contagious? Have you ever noticed that in a group of friends sometimes when one gets divorced, at least a couple of others follow suit? A hundred thousand percent. You've it is seen true. it. I have seen it. So it's what's like, going on I here? don't know, it's like, and then, but the group of friends is like all together and like, what they like start going like dominoes and you're like I'm not hanging out with those people anymore there's something in the air there's something in the mojo forget it because there's something it, in the vino there's something about it yeah. that like once one friend does it then it all goes down or somebody in the family it's like does it like a domino it, effect then right? it's like a domino yeah. well it turns out statistics already show that half of marriages end in divorce oh, yeah. but researchers found that if you are you're actually 75% more likely to get divorced if you have a close friend who is also going through so a divorce. Uh, 75%? Oh, fine. It's a fact It now. is amazing. What's more is that people are 147% more likely to split if they have several divorced friends in their uh, immediate social network. Mm -hmm. That's compared to people who hang out with mostly married friends. Moral of the story, hang out with married friends. We can end this show now. No. Um, um, so if you have a divorced sibling, you're 22% more likely to get divorced. And a, divo a divorced co-worker increases your chances of splitting up with a partner by 50%. So uh, I think it's, this is all really, really interesting. But there has to be some science behind it. Well, why? What, like, why does it happen? Yeah. What is it about somebody around you, the divorce the divorce word around you've gotta, you? You've got to be affected psychologically by what you're hearing, what you're seeing others experience, right? right? So, yeah, well, as we, so we talked to somebody who sees it quite a bit, a divorce attorney, Lene DeRutter, excuse me, uh, she talked about seeing the domino effect of divorce in her practice. 
sometimes you get people who are saying, oh, no, I see how ugly it is for my friend that's going through the divorce. But then, then there's other people that they're seeing the end of the divorce. They're seeing the finalization. So they're seeing someone who has freedom and who seems to have more peace in their home. And so um, that looks good to them. Uh, peace. <laughs> You know, because, you know, if when you're in contentious. a contentious relationship, yeah. obviously the peace is not there. They're going to so say, oh, that's attractive to me because right. they split up and now life is good. Right. See yeah. how that works. Yeah. So having divorced friends also tends to highlight all the things <laughs> that your partner does that makes you crazy. And, <laughs> and some of the things you didn't even realize made you crazy now all of a sudden do make yeah, you crazy. It just starts to be highlighted in your own life. So, right. Lene also says having someone in your social group who's getting or has gotten divorced makes a split seem like an option. Yeah, because if your friends are doing it, then in your mind, the stigma around it might not be so much. You know, yeah. like if Susie's doing it, well, then I, I guess I could. Yeah. It's not as weird as I think, or it's not as taboo as I think it is. Very rare you find somebody who says, I've never known anybody that's got not that's been divorced. I yeah. think it's happened so much. I mean, back that, in the day, I feel like oh, yeah, it was back in the day, way People would stay together forever. For, yeah. Even, yeah, no matter and what. divorce did have a taboo. Right. Especially if you were a church-going person, and you know, totally. and you couldn't, uh, you had to go through all kinds of rigmarole religious right. rituals to mm. get over that whole divorce thing so, right yeah so when it comes to so here's an interesting <laughs> point here when it comes to men versus women Lene says both groups find a way to find that the grass is always greener my perception and what I've seen more of is probably women because we tend to rely on each other a lot more I think you know but then at the same time I'm hearing men say they're kind of in the same boat they get around their guy friend who's you know, going out and having fun and doesn't have to worry about a lot of the responsibilities that they once had. And they're like, hey, this looks kind of good. <laughs> Wait, this is a true yeah, story. I've seen So that. I, what is it about divorce in men? Like when they are like separated and on the verge of divorce, they go through this whole like revert back to like frat boy days. Like when they were in college, yeah. Yeah, yeah they like, they it's a revert, like why? Yeah, well, because it's a newfound sense of freedom. There it is. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be that because that's... Like, they lose all this weight, and all of a sudden they're out at night, they're yeah. partying and yeah. doing all these things that they would never do he before. becomes the guy he was and not the guy he is. Correct. <laughs> but but how does that work out in the end? Does it? Well, if it's... Can, you can't keep up that persona forever. If it's not authentic, it's going to eventually reveal its ugly self. Correct. There you go. Yeah. So the other trend that Lene sees is a season for divorce. That's weird. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> we're kind of in that season now because... Uh, the phrase new year, new me, or for some means uh, new single me. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times people take big pauses over the holidays for a number of reasons. If there's children involved, they don't want to, they don't want to rock their children's world during, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Um, I mean, sometimes it's that they know what a divorce is going to cost and they want to kind of get their tax period behind them for the previous year and know financially what's coming down the the, the pike um and then yeah i think sometimes it's i've made it i've survived it through that year now i'm ready to take that step new year new, new me. me new single me yeah new single me <laughs> experts also say holiday stress of course sometimes uh just personal disappointments when 
and parents like don't show up and expectations like high expectations well, yeah, you have high expectations. can lead to divorce. Right, because you have high expectations for the holiday and for the new year and the way you want your partner to behave in those times when the yeah. family's around and the kids are around and you have you have this expectation and then if the partner doesn't live up to it, that can what yeah, she's I saying, mean, that can trigger a divorce. If too. instead of being the new single you or the new cool you, you end up being Homer Simpson. Right. That could be a problem. <laughs> Which would be a that problem. would be a problem. So Lene says to keep in mind though, when it comes to divorce, it takes a long time yeah. it gets ugly it's not as beautiful and greener on the other side as it appears in your friends lives it takes months and sometimes years to finalize these things so obviously we are not advocating for it or you know whatever works yeah. for you in the situation you are just know what you're really up against you want to exhaust all possible uh, saving. saving of your relationship go through lots of counseling, yeah. even years of counseling, to try to get through it. And if that doesn't work, then you make a decision whether or not that your life is gonna be better or not with the person that right. you're with. Right. And it's gotta be kind of almost, uh, both of you have to decide that it's not good. Because right. one of the, there's gonna be resentment no matter what you do. Yeah. Having sure. gone through that myself, it was yeah. not, it was painful, it was difficult. But you know, you do get through it and mm -hmm. your life does continue and, and you can find happiness again. But uh, boy, I tell you what, it's so, tough. So know that if, also if you're feeling that kind of divorce itch because your friends are also going through it, know that statistically that's a thing. You yeah. know, domino divorces yeah. is a thing. So just know it. Hang out with a new group of friends. If you want to, if you're find, trying to save your marriage. That's a very good idea. That's <laughs> Just hang very, out with some married friends. Very good idea. If you want to save your marriage. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be, right, uh, be back with much more. Did we hide it good at the bottom of the hour? We did a good job. Slide it in there. Still ahead, she's nannied for the likes of Courtney Cox, Chris O'Donnell, and is now caring for a newborn live on Facebook. Marva Sugram is here. She is a world-renowned nanny to the stars, working with Courtney Cox, Julia Roberts, Cheryl Crow, Chris O'Donnell, Reese Witherspoon, I mean, the list goes on, and even Elizabeth Berkeley and she's the founder of Marvelous Babies. And now she is taking on a new role. She is going to do a Facebook Live with a 12 week with a baby from zero to 12 weeks. Wow. That's ambitious. That's going to be cool. <laughs> Marva Sugrim is here. Hi, Marva. Hi, Marva. How are you? That's quite a list of clients there. Oh, yes. How did it all start with you? How did you get connected with celebrities? Well, it started in um, in New York in, in that early 1981, and someone I had worked for nine years prior to Hollywood mm -hmm. was connected to a, a relative, and so this relative in Hollywood called me up to come, and I came and never went back. Wow. <laughs> I just kept on going and going and going, and demand was very high, and... I enjoy it. So, you know, so de demand is very high, and I mean, the list of people that you work with is, I mean, these are A-list celebrities, yes. and so obviously they don't want just anybody to come and watch their children. So what is it about your method that keeps all of these people coming back? I think what it is is that, for me, I'm very calm with children, babies, and adults. So they get that right away because they need that in their life. And, you know, and, and I'm very you know, um, confident mm -hmm. in my work and people can see that. So they want, you know, that kind of 
You know, what's interesting is, you, you know, the, the calming the chaos of children. And, and, you know, when it doesn't matter whether you're a celebrity or not, when you have a child, your life is going to change mm -hmm. dramatically. Yes. And I, yes. I think a lot of us aren't ready for that. And it's nice to have someone with experience who understands what is an emergency and what isn't an emergency, what we should be concerned with. So, so tell me how you train the parents to deal with the children. Well, what I do with parents is, you know, they are who they are. I met those personalities when I got there. And what I tell them is that try to remain calm as much as you can, because that's when you'll absorb who this baby is, mm -hmm. or babies right. for some parents. Do you have a specific age range of kids that you like to work with? Is it newborns or is it toddlers? I mean, is there a certain age? Well, range? I've done all ra all ages, but uh -huh. um, my strong points are newborns to six months. To six months. Yes. Well, that's that's the toughest time, Marla. Yes, I mean, yes. they're they're crying. They're yeah. they're. That, that's when there's something to do. Right. Right. So, what's a typical day like for you? A typical day, I um, sometimes I take a shower by four a.m. Yeah. to get ready for baby waking up and um, I just work my routine, make my beating every three to four hours and then take them out for a walk, you know, giving parents time alone mm -hmm. and just, you know, doing activity, different activities even when they're newborns. You know, reading, a whole lot of reading and singing and dancing and I do all of that all the way through. Do you, do you, I mean, is it just like you come into the house for a couple hours, take care of the baby, and then go? No. When the baby um, is born, when the baby comes into the mm -hmm. world, I go to the hospital on the day that they're going home, and I start living with that family. Oh, so I, live I, in. Yeah. Wow. I've so, got to feel that these children, as they grow, are very attached to you, that you become very much a part of their lives, and you become part of their family. How is that part? For you, because you must have all of these people that you've been involved with all must consider you part of their family. Yes, and I love them all. I love their children, and I know that I'm there to help. So they're my charges. Mm -hmm. They are not, you know, people I fall in love with, and I'm attached to the point where I cannot leave them. I go back, I visit, but they are not my children. Mm -hmm. They're my charges and they are my clients, children, wow. and I respect those boundaries. Yeah. All right, so you're taking on a very big challenge this month, which is you're gonna do this Facebook Live with a newborn <laughs> yes. for 12 weeks. Yes. Where can people watch this and what can they expect when they see it? Well, they can, <clears throat> excuse me, they can watch, um, I'm on IG at Marvelous Babies, uh -huh. M-A-R-V-A-L-O-U-S-B-A-B-I-E-S, and um, they could catch me on um, Facebook, I will have a group where people can join. Mm -hmm. But start with um, Instagram, Marvelous Babies, and you'll get me. And then uh, in the show, like, so your baby's going to show yes. up, and then what happens? <laughs> and then what they're going to find out is exactly how to take care of this new baby when they come home. When parents bring their babies home, they're going to learn that you have no need to be overwhelmed anymore. Because I'm here, and wow. I'm, I'm, I'm the lady with the goods. Because <laughs> they don't come with instructions, do they? They don't come with instructions. No, they don't come with instructions, but I'll teach you how... I know they come with instructions. Oh, I wish you'd you been around when I had yeah, my kids. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> this is going to be incredible information, especially for new parents yeah. that just come home with a baby and are yes. frazzled and yes. don't know what to do. So they'll be asking me questions, I'll be answering, I'll be on 24-7 talking to parents, wow. you know, 
I, I love work, so all right. you so know, look just for you bring on Facebook, on. right? Facebook look for me Live. on Facebook. Facebook all right. Live. Marvelous Babies on Instagram and on Facebook as yes, well, right? Yes, on Facebook, yeah. Okay, all right. Marvel, Marvel thank, thank you, you so much. much. For coming. Thank you guys for having me. I feel just so calm around you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's the baby whisperer. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> thank you, guys. Coming up, she's a fashion forecaster with ideas on how to make everyday style more exciting. Zara Alexandrova is here. She has been a style consultant and fashion forecaster for years, sitting in the front row of fashion shows all over the world. And now she is about to launch her own clothing line next month. Welcome, Zara Alexandrova. Hi, Zara. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So is this the dream to finally have your own line after watching fashion designers for years and doing this for years in the fashion industry? It uh, really is a dream. Um, I've been working on this for years and years and uh, learning about all the trends and uh, what's edgy, what's classy and putting it all together. So finally I got some uh, confidence to actually uh, not just think about it, but put it... Uh, put it to, out there. Yes, out there. So we have some photos of your of your designs that are already out, getting ready to launch pretty soon. And they're right. really some beautiful Beautiful things. So, I mean, kind of like what you're yes, wearing right now, uh, the suit you're wearing right now, but it's sort of like the one we're looking at. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, Describe your line to me as we look at the clothes. Uh, so, the two very main um, um, points uh, huh? of my collection for this year, uh, 2020, would be uh, oversized and um, like edgy, uh -huh. put together. Um, and I shall say that uh, oversized does not mean very masculine all right. the time. You right. can ver look very feminine in yeah. oversized things um, and look actually smaller rather than wearing a tight uh, dress and yeah. uh, look uh, bigger Bo than Yeah, bulky you in, a yes. Bigger, yes. In, a, in a really mm -hmm. tight thing. Um, who is the woman that would wear Zara's clothes? Who is your woman? Oh my God, who, everyone, uh, whoever wants to look chic, uh -huh. first of all, uh, and um, make an entrance uh, by wearing a very simple suit like I am wearing, uh -huh. but it's uh, the material, the fabrics are very, like uh, I chose everything in a particular way mm -hmm. that will make everyone feel so good and think that they have a really good piece in their closet that's gonna last forever. Right, um, and I also understand that the, the line, you also are gonna have an app that goes along with the line, and we have a photo of what that looks like. It's called Brick and Portal is the name of the, the app. But what, there's something special about the app too. Yes, so um, how I came up with this also, like for years I've been asked uh, very much about Oh, you, what you're wearing? Oh, can you help me? And I, as all of you know, I am a, I also style people. Yeah. And so what I was thinking and dreaming about is to have an application uh, that will like be a, a basically a, a stylist in an app. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that 
in your app, I can go there and there's a stylist there that's going to help me pick out yes, the clothes. Yes, and uh, ne not necessarily, not necessarily it's going to be me, but uh, it's going to be, uh, so what it does is, uh, you can create your own store and uh, kind of like uh, put out what you chose and people who like your style they can actually shop your style and uh, or request your style like uh, they can request me uh, from me to actually put together an outfit or a gift or or anything, anything. wow that's really awesome cool. you're really busy because not only do you have the line and the app but then you were also on the magazine cover as well my goodness you look beautiful on Thank that magazine you so much when they when they asked you to be the cover model why are you wearing tennis shoes because it's very uh, that's how we, we do fashion you know we mix up uh, styles uh -huh. and uh, trends and uh, I think it's actually very cool that uh, you don't want to overdo everything and it depends where you're going obviously uh -huh. uh, and here uh, I am on the cover of the magazine and I'm yeah. so honored honestly yeah. uh, thank you La Palme, La Palme for yeah. uh, Featuring me the opportunity, yes, of yeah. course. All right. Well, I can't have a style expert in the house without talking about the fashion forecast for 2020. So we talked a little bit about um, oversized clothes, um, but I want to just real because you have a photo of of an, an example of a runway show with an oversized suit, which is beautiful. But how do you wear that in real life? Oh, I wear that every day. To be honest with you, I think, as I said also already, um, oversized uh, clothes actually make you look so much um, more um, um, slimmer and uh, you you actually own, you feel like a boss when you're wearing a, a like yes yeah a, a big suit yes, like a, yes, a suit yes, you, you makes it's you feel like it's it has some weight and it's um, it's really putting you to a place where you want to be like so um, you want to show in your oversized clothes which is uh, mm -hmm. the point of it okay um, another trend you said is um, reinvented white shirts correct so I'm used to like the white button down but no. not anymore huh the designers look at that uh, the designers are cropping them rushing them I have a very amazing few of them that are like the colors are different like it's a different fabric from the, uh, the rest of the shirt uh -huh. then you have uh, long sleeves or it's a cropped shirt and it's Sarah how am I gonna wear a cropped shirt to work um, you can uh, put something on top uh, for uh, like, TV and then God. take it out and go Got it. Go party. When I go out and party, wear the cropped yes. shirt. Yes. Got it. Okay. But we also have so many high-waisted pants and skirts, so uh -huh. that's, yeah, and cropped shirts are not necessarily to show your uh, belly. Midriff. Yes, it, it uh, just it accentuates your uh, waist, you know, like All if right. you're wearing a high-waisted skirt or uh, pants, you know. That we can work with that. All right. Well, thank you for coming. We will look forward to your line coming next month. Thank yes. you thank for you coming. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been trolling the internet again? I have. <laughs> and I found a gem. There is a full-grown dog that will forever look like a puppy. Oh, really? Ranger the German Shepherd. He's a dwarf. He's a full grown. This is a full grown dog. Full, two years old, and has wow. pituitary dwarfism. His uh. humans didn't understand why he wasn't growing, and after he was super sick, the doctors finally figured it out. Oh my god! Now he's on a steady medication regimen, and his humans say that he is more energetic than his younger 
siblings. So. Oh, he must be the most popular dog in the world. I mean, uh, look how cute he is. He's a, he's a full-grown, so he acts like a full-grown dog, but he looks like a puppy. This is like my dream. Yeah. So, of course, what do you do when you have an adorable puppy, forever puppy German Shepherd? You obviously start an Instagram page. <laughs> yeah. How many? 125,000 followers for this dog. You're kidding. 125,000. I think I have 35. <laughs> I might have like 10. So if you want to find him on the but Instagram, I'm not a puppy. if you want to find him on the Instagram, it is Ranger the G Shepherd. So here these folks thought they bought themselves a German Shepherd, like a dog. A German Shepherd. Take, take protection and all this. They end up with the little. Dwarf. Oh, how cute. And of course, there's merch. You can get a Ranger T-shirt, mug, stickers, even phone cases oh, of course with you can. Puppy Face Ranger on Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Well, Rangers, yeah, so turned out to be quite a gift. How cute! Yeah, oh, a gift that keeps on giving. I'm glad they figured giving. that out because you know he looked really good. Not only do you cute. get, not only do you get a great, a great puppy, and oh, you get a puppy forever. You also make some money. Make some money off the guy. Yes, yeah, there Brilliant. you go. Ranger, thank good you. Good job. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much for watching. That'll do it for us today. You can watch us anytime. On Beyond.TV. I'm worn out from the show today. It's exhausting. B-E-O-N-D dot TV. Thanks so much for being with us. Can I get my own merch? Sure. Lisa, Lisa mugs, Lisa t-shirts. Lisa t-shirts. Lisa, t -shirt. Lisa stuff. Because my stuff sells like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't.